how's everybody doing today? Welcome to Jump Crouch episode. Wait, is this episode 30? Is this fucking episode 30? <gasps> Whoa. No, no wait. But it is episode 30. Episode 30. Holy shit. Oh my gosh. So that means next podcast, I'll be the podcast number of my age. Yeah. <laughs> I got a ways before I get there, but. Uh. Yeah, we got at least 20 or 30 more of those right before for you. But yeah. Yep, you still have another month or two before we reach you, Aaron. Yeah, no, <laughs> or two. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's, hey man, that's pretty amazing. We've done, I don't know, let's see, we have 47 tracks on our SoundCloud profile, but 30 dedicated Jump Crouch episodes with, of course, spinoff episodes about Star Wars and Game Club and Mother Bullshit. Mm. Good work, guys. That's that's uh, that's that's a lot of podcasting. There's a lot of podcasting. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, welcome to Jump Crouch, everybody. Uh, we're going to have a quick and dirty podcast today, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Star Wars Squadrons, which Kevin and I have been playing. And yep. Kevin, what do you think of Star Wars Squadrons? Um, I liked it. Uh, it's fun to play Star Wars flying ship spacey game again. It's been a long time, uh, and it's not Rogue Squadron, which is cool, even though I like, don't get me wrong, I like Rogue Squadron. But yeah. it's just kind of more fun to have a spacey game. But when I was playing it, I was like, man, it seems like I'm getting micro stutter. And it turned out it wasn't micro stutter. It was 30 FPS, which is funny to me that my brain thinks 30 FPS is micro stutter. I'm just like, have I become well, that spoiled? Yeah. Yeah. Have I? That you were playing with a mouse? Are you playing with a controller, right? I was playing with a controller. Yeah. Well, it also had like horrible tearing. Like there was it, so. The tearing was short. like I could see three frames coming across the screen. It was, that was yeah. brutal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the game it was like a, a, that game Fruit Ninja a, a, or whatever. Huh? You know Fruit Ninja where you like cut the across, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, what about Fruit Ninja? Sorry. It just reminded me of that with the the tearing was like abysmal. Anyways. Uh yeah, continue. the game has has an issue on PC where it's uh I guess they fixed it. I don't know if they fixed it or not. Like it, it wasn't right. You had to set VSync which kind of sucks. I don't know. Blah 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 blah. It's still anyway, not right. Huh. One of my all-time favorite games is Tie Fighter. Like, like going back into my history, Tie Fighter was like one of the first games I played that f- made you feel like you were sort of shaping the narrative because there was key decisions you could make at certain moments of the game, which changed the way the narrative played out. Um, and it had really, really good mission design. Uh, this is this is a three D flight simulating, uh, you know, Star Wars game. And you start off as playing like a little lowly TIE fighter pilot and you work your way up to being like the emperor's like number one, like bodyguard assassin guy, if you get good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, they haven't made a game like TIE fighter since 1996. Uh, so I was pretty excited to see this game and and it's, it, it definitely feels like it's like halfway into the TIE fighter camp. Like it's definitely doing a lot of the TIE fighter stuff, but the mission design from what I've seen so far, is not uh, as ambitious. It's a little more straightforward. The combat is a little more straightforward. Mm. It, it, like I don't want to use the word depth, but there's there's something that Tie Fighter has that that I felt like wasn't quite there. And it might just be that I wasn't playing with a flight stick when I when I played Tie Fighter as a young man. I went to Software Etc. at the mall and bought a Microsoft Sidewinder Pro with mm. force feedback joyce uh, you know flight stick. For like, I think at the time it was like thirty bucks, which is probably like all the money I could make in like six months, you know. And yeah. uh, it it, it, it made the whole thing extremely immersive. Uh, playing it with the controller felt a little, I don't know. Yeah, I remember when I was playing Tie Fighter back in the day, and I was interested in what EA was doing with Rogue with this new Rogue Squadron game, but 
for me, I just don't think it's possible for them to recapture the magic of those early games. So I was thinking about it, but and I'm sure it's great, but I don't know. I'm just not feeling it. it mm. uh, uh, Kevin, what do you think of it overall? I I like it. Uh, can we agree that playing as the Empire is just better? I don't know why. Oh, like yeah. Tie Fighter, that was what was good about it. Was you were the bad guys. Like right. the X Wing did come first, and we all played it. But I didn't play X Wing until after I played Tie Fighter. And yeah, it's definitely like technologically a weaker game. But in yeah. terms of this game, like I, I was a little sad to see that the mission design was like. I mean, you can like not listen to them, and like they'll even comment. They'll be like, "I like I like you if you start listening to my orders better." And like I'm the kind of person that when like an NPC says go do this, like I want to do the opposite. Like yeah. I'm like don't want to do what they're telling me to do. So that's that's I think probably why the dadding games don't click with me is like you know. Dad, look at this! Look at this right. rope! Grab the rope! Throw the rope! So it's not that, um, but I, I agree with you that the mission design didn't grab me. But just the combat felt fun and satisfying, and like it also felt intuitive to like change your power with the D pad on the stick. Was I was like, oh, this seems like it. I don't know. It just felt like it made sense. Like I feel like they 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 thought it out well. It feels like a good base. Like they could definitely go somewhere, and I would like to try it. I heard in VR it really comes to life. Which They're doing gonna... no more development for it. What? DLC not confirmed. No they're, development. They're not doing right. anything. It's it's over. It's over. It's a complete Aaron. game. I'm sorry. That's so, kind of weird. Well, I ended up returning the game because it had technical issues, and I might pick it up again when I if I can get a flight stick and the technical issues are resolved, which we'll see. But um, it, I mean, the multiplayer could be fun, which it is a multiplayer. It is essentially a multiplayer game, and it comes in at a discounted price of thirty nine ninety nine. Yeah. So I want to play it in Ver. But I don't have a headset yet, so. Yeah, no. But don't you get a headset next week? Yes. So maybe you can chat, you can f- tell us about that next time. Um, all right. Well, Oren, uh, you've been playing this uh, this Hatties game. Hatties? Yes, I have been playing Hatties. Oh <laughs> man! So check this out. Hades is this roguelike. Uh, Greek mythology game made by Supergiant and it's in the vein of Dead Cells and I never beat Dead Cells but Me I beat I beat Hades today I mm. beat my first oh, nice. run <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really happy about that because I never beat these games I think I've beaten Into the Breach which is another roguelike mm-hmm. and a couple of others but it's very rare even Spelunky 2 I'm kind of falling off of I'm like I'm not sure I'm going to beat this but yeah. I beat Hades and so far my impressions of the game are extremely positive um extremely positive the game just feels amazing to play the combat I don't know the only other games that I can think of that achieve the level of game feel in terms of combat recently that Hades achieves has to be like Doom 2016 maybe Mm. yeah it just feels great to play I was just playing I was actually playing it right before the podcast and I just Mm. could not get enough of it (laughs) uh and and on top of that my last thing that I'm going to say about it just overall is it's the first roguelike game I've played that has a good story like it has a straight up right good story which is fascinating how how the guys at Supergiant and Greg Kazavin, how they were able to take this repetitive structure of this character who is basically, ha- who's, who's Hades' son, 
attempting to escape the underworld and making that into a narrative experience and tying the repetition and the death into that experience is really great. So do you guys have interest in playing this game? I, I do. So I do. just to clarify, this is a top down sort of yeah. like it's what's unclear to me like? what the combat would feel like. Yeah. I, I'm not. I, I, what's a game that plays like it? Because it, I know that it's like it, it's a similar to Dead Cells, but Dead Cells is like a side scroller. Yeah, I've never played an isometric style action game like this. I guess Diablo, right? Does it play like like Diablo? Diablo. Yeah, that's what I imagine. Um, I feel like it's way faster. It's way faster than Diablo. Like you feel yourself zipping across the screen and just taking enemies out. And it it feels like it shouldn't work, but then you play the game. And after a couple hours, you just fall into the game rhythm and you feel like you're dancing in the midst of death or something Mm. i don't know it just feels great i highly Mm. recommend it if you guys are interested i mean roguelikes aren't for everybody but this one is easier than your typical roguelike right but but on top of that um it encourages you to keep playing like i i beat the game already and i found out that there's more story after the game like once Mm. you beat the game you've you you go back to the underworld and you realize that there's incentives to try to beat the game again to get more information that pertains to the plot. And so can I ask you great. a question about that? Like, here's what I've seen people say that, and you said it too. It's like the first roguelike where the story matters. And I, I'm without having experienced that, I'm not sure what that means or if that's a good thing, but everybody seems hyped on it. So like, how can you give us a quick idea of how the story works in this game? Okay, so the best example I can pull actually is the first boss in the game. Uh, the first boss in the game, this isn't really too much of a spoiler, is one of the uh, Furies. And it's great because every single time you fight her, they have a different conversation mm-hmm. depending on what sort of progress you made against her. So if you beat her, she'll she'll say something about like i'm gonna get you this time etc etc but it's really funny because if you start consistently beating her then she gives up and you just see her in the house of hades which is the main hub area she's at the bar getting drunk because she's like depressed that she keeps losing to you and then when you go back and do another run you fight one of the other furies instead Mm. and it's just really cleverly done how these continuous encounters play into um, play into the storytelling. Like if you're continuously beated, uh, being beaten by a boss, the boss will comment on that saying, Oh, remember when I ripped you a new one last time? And right. it, it's just, it's just really cleverly done. And uh, I guess right. that cool. I get that. It, it's really neat. Uh, even if you're not a fan of roguelikes or just generally speaking, I think it's worth experiencing just not one for the combat feel, but mm-hmm. also two for the way they creatively interweave the storytelling into the game. The yeah. last thing I'll say about that is I think there was a statistic that came out that Greg Kazavin, the lead writer of the game said he said that he he wrote like 300,000 lines of dialogue or something some <laughs> absurd number for yeah. the game which is really impressive and uh, cuz as you play the game 
the dialogue never repeats each encounter with each god with each greek mythological figure it's always a different dialogue depending on your actions in the game so right it's really neat it's really neat i highly recommend everyone playing it it's 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 fantastic i mean i am pretty well known to be a big fan of roguelike games um i think i I always need like a just sort of pure mechanics game in my like milieu my, my gaming you know like diet basically i need a game that i can just go and get a little better at every time i play and kick a little ass and do stuff lately it's been a little bit of splunky 2 and a lot of counter-strike go <laughs> but uh <laughs> but like the, here's something that i found really interesting is like my partner is a non-gamer and i have been trying to introduce her to different games and i thought at first like maybe she's going to want to play uncharted right because it's really beautiful graphics it's kind of it, you can put it on an easy mode so it plays itself to some extent um and it's got a big story and she didn't really latch up that hard onto that i'm like okay maybe she'll want to play like a walking sim and she really didn't like navigating the 3d world with like with a with a 3d camera basically but then i let her play splunky 2 and the binding of isaac and she just plays them like non-stop <laughs> which I, I think there's there's something about like a pure mechanics game that to somebody who's new to gaming, even though we might think, oh, these are not games that are like what you would give to somebody new. They might actually be like a good entryway, mm. like a good gateway drug because they're just teaching, yeah, the basic mechanics and stuff. It's kind of like, I mean, if you think about where we all started on like 2D games like that mm-hmm. of that era, like it makes sense, you know, like we didn't start with these big Uncharted kind of games, like we started with that stuff. So it kind of makes sense if you think about it. Like I, I had the same intuition that you did though, to be like, oh, they, someone who's new should play like a Naughty Dog game or something like that. Like something that's this really pretty presentation and have movie kind of elements to it. But you're right. I think that's interesting. It's an interesting yeah. perspective. So, but yeah, I, I, I'm excited to check out uh, Hades. I... Again, I'm a huge fan of the roguelike. I think I think it's one of the the more interesting things that happened in the last decade of like gaming. It's just like look at these these really you know cheap to produce, mechanically rich games that that there's so many of them to play that are just pretty fun and awesome. So, uh, speaking so, of mechanic, I, I'm, yeah, a, I'm actually going to interrupt really quickly because I remember you saying telling me one time that you love Dead Cells. Yeah, and if you, if you love Dead Cells, you're going to love Hades. Just yeah end of conversation <laughs> you're gonna love it cool yeah it's, it seems to be a, a massive hit so that's that's awesome um i finally completed doom eternal and and i i've basically played the game through twice i played it all the way i didn't play final sin on my first playthrough so i played all the way to the end of uh i want to say necroval 2 or whatever that second that last level urdak i think it was urdak yeah and then i beat it again all the way through um and i have I don't know. My opinion on that game has kind of gone back and forth. And I think where I stand now, I think there is actually a good argument that this is the best Doom game, the best 3D modern Doom game. Like I might slightly be leaning in favor of it over Doom 2016 because I think Doom 2016, as we've said in the past, is a perfect game. Like it's kind of without any major flaws, but like some of the things that Eternal does improve upon doom 2016 in ways that like you do have to learn how to play the game like i think the reason i was having trouble with it before is i was playing it the way that doom 2016 taught me to play the game and uh and not i had had all the tool tips turned off and i wasn't learning any of the little things that it tells you to do like Mm. how to use the blood punch and how to use the different grenades so i like didn't use the grenades or the blood punch or any of those skills the entire first playthrough on ultra how did you even get that far without those 
Honestly, it was just like <laughs> pain. It was pain. Oh, that's, that's I don't. Pain. That sounds horrible. <laughs> so like- now that I know how to use those systems, um, I I think that the game is actually very engaging in a in a way that's that's just mechanically rewarding. Um, and, and I think so. There's a question that we've had, and we've kind of brought this up before: Is the game forcing you to play it a very specific way, or is it reward? Or is there just like a right way to play it, but you don't necessarily have to play that game that way? And I think it's the latter. I think there is a right way to play it. Like there is, there is a best approach to most encounters, but they don't play out in sort of a linear way where like, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, there's often multiple ways to skin a, you know, a duck or whatever, skin a pig, a goose. What do you skin? (laughs) (laughs) Skin a cat. Yeah, Yeah, Uh, of course. (laughs) But like, so I think that the game definitely has more than enough leeway in the, in the way that you approach combat encounters to keep them, creative and fresh even though there is yeah do you like the marauder now uh i think the marauder can be fun <laughs> but i don't like the marauder uh because because he's kind of like the like the the extreme of the game design of the eternal like he's like the game chain makes you play a certain way and he's like the next level of that yeah i i think that the game i think that if the marauder had just been like a boss that you mm-hmm. fought once and maybe he was a little harder or something like, like there, there is, there is some fun to the Marauder fight, but I find that whenever a Marauder shows up and I'm fighting other people, I'm annoyed. And that's something that happened in my first playthrough was that I, I like I said before, I kept feeling like the game was work. And part of that was cause I wasn't engaging with the systems in the way that they wanted me to. Mm. But, but part of it also, I think like on the harder difficulty, that game is, uh, it is work. It's, I still it, think it, it is. is it work. can feel like work. <laughs> and, I, and I think if you play it on, on hurt me plenty, which in all sincerity, got a little too easy towards the end. Um, it, it does give you more of that feeling that you had in Doom 2016 where you're just ripping your way through levels instead of constantly almost dying, almost dying, almost dying, almost dying. Like, a lot less of that. One thing I do want to say about that game is, like, the fire thing. Like, it was, like, my mm-hmm. least favorite uh, thing. Like, like you had to burn them to get their armor back. Like, I hated that. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the game, I thought it was, like, the most satisfying thing to land. Like, you get a big group of guys, and you blow them all up, and they're just shards of armor everywhere. Like, yeah. <laughs> there is, like, amazing design in that game. But, like, I, I just when I think back on my experience overall, it's, like, it's work. Like, it's fun, and it's, like, very smartly designed. Like, it's, like, a brilliant game, but it's also, like, God, it pisses me off because it's just, like, I don't want to play it. I just don't feel compelled to go back. So to be honest, yeah, that, like, I, I hear you, and the and now I kind of feel the opposite. Now I'm kind of like, if I wanted to get mo- a modern Doom, you know, I wanted to play modern Doom for like an hour, I would, might be more likely to go play a master level in Doom Eternal than Doom 2016, because I j- I just think there's just a little more going on, and it, and it actually is a little more like creative in, in the way that it lets you play, even though there are you know it, it's got those chess piece kind of encounters. Yeah, I'm kind of torn because it's weird. I played through the game three times. I played oh it, three, I think so, like two or three times, at least two. I think right. three, but I think yeah, I think actually looking back, I played it three times on progressively harder difficulties. And the first time I played it, it felt like work. Mm-hmm. The second time I played it, I was getting into it more, and I like understood it. And by the third time I played through it, I felt like I was zipping across the levels because I had mm. mastered the systems. Right. So so it definitely is a game that once you kind of wrap your head around all of the systems, it totally works. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but yeah i don't know it just i guess it just didn't have the lasting power that 2016 had and i think that's because 2016 was so fresh oh yeah yeah, yeah. that that eternal in a way felt more of the sa- same and some of the design decisions did feel like a slight step back even though there yeah. were other decisions that brought it forward that mm-hmm. it didn't last as much the but dash is the, just the, so d- good the dash, no, the dash is, is amazing. amazing. Yeah. The dash you go and back the shotgun. and play 2016, there's like no dash. And it just feels like you're moving like so slow. <laughs> or Halo 3. Last night I kept trying to dash. <laughs> yeah. For, dude, that's, okay, that's already so, a sluggish game. So, so what I mean, up? what's up with the, with uh, Halo? Halo, the <laughs> Master Chief, he is, he's not just walking. He is taking his time, I swear. <laughs> I was he's playing not in a Halo. hurry. He's not in a hurry. I was playing Halo 3 and I was like, gosh, this guy is like... He, Walk, man. Speed walk. Do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely slow. I think uh, the design was like to slow it down so people could aim and like hit stuff. Yeah, that's my yeah. like. It's controller FPS. It's, no, it's definitely a controller consideration. Which here's a question for you, Warren. Do you understand the concept of a flick shot? Um, I think I've heard this term before, but I am a console gamer, so I'm a little out of the loop, just a well, little bit. So a flick shot is when you like basically you flick really quickly, you know, to like a forty-five degree angle and make a quickly aimed shot. Do you feel like that's something you can do with a controller? Uh, probably not. No, hmm. I, I had to. In fact, I you played can't. Doom Eternal. I actually played Doom Eternal on the PS4, and I had to jack the sensitivity, sensitivity. all the way up mm. because I literally wasn't turning fast enough to take right. out some of the enemies. Like, because the game mm-hmm. is so fast, especially on Nightmare. That is so. one thing that I, so, because you told me you beat that game on Nightmare. And I was thinking, like, one of the things that was helping me is that I've spent, I've spent a lot of time in the last year working on my flick shot, <laughs> like playing Counter-Strike <laughs> and stuff. So I'm like, my flick shot's okay. Like, and like, fl- I felt like, f- like flick shotting was like an important skill in that game. And I'm just like, how does, how does anybody do that with a controller? Like, there has to be a way to flick shot with a controller, right? There was a friend of mine back in grade school who was really good at Halo, Mm -hmm. and he would play Halo at a 10 sensitivity, and he was like 13 years old at the time, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. oh my god, he was so good with an Xbox controller, so I think it's possible to move that fast and have that fast trigger finger, but... It's definitely not it the rule. <laughs> I don't think it is because Flickshot requires you to have a quick analog movement, which you can't do due to the linear movement on a joystick. Like right. It's not possible to do that. But the other right. part of that is it's, it's also uh, the target acquisition is hard on a controller. As someone who's good on a controller FPS, like mm-hmm. I've grown up since I was a young kid playing Halo and sure. GoldenEye and shit yeah. too on a controller. Like I, play, yeah. I play with both. And, and yesterday on Halo 3, I was playing. I switched back and forth while playing. Like if you have like a moment where you have like four enemies on screen and you want to quickly just hit each one quickly, like doing that on a joystick is tricky because you can't. You yeah. have to kind of move to each one. Whereas on a, on a mouse, you just do, 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 do. you just right. you know you can do that quick. I guess that is a flick shot. I don't know. That is a flick it's shot. Just, is yeah, that's exactly yeah. what the flick shot is. It's quickly you just move quickly. to target and hit. Boom. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have yeah. aim assist on controllers to help you with that, but it mm-hmm. doesn't. You can't if something's to your right or behind you. You can't. What they've done in some games, like they'll do the, the quick turn, like press Y, and you can like flip around, mm. like a one eighty. But like re- sure. Resident Evil, you mean? No, yeah, like Resident Evil. I saw. I was playing. I was playing recently. I forgot what game it was where you could do a quick turn. Hmm. Didn't The Last of Us Part Two have a quick turn? Or I think am it I did. Actually, I think that's the game I, I, I that did that it. Was the, I think that's the game I that did. had the quick yeah. turn. Uh, Gears um, Five, you can do it as well. Back A. 
I feel like I pulled a few flick shots off in The Last of Us too, but I think it was like that game was was a much slower combat. I just I don't know. I, I was could just never noticed. hit shit in that game. That was oh, like really? the game I was least accurate of. Of any controller hmm. FPS, I've like I just suck with the PS controller. I think it's a thirty FPS and the PS4 or joystick. For me, I just they're they're off. looser is what it is. So it takes yeah. You, I'm not you, used you, to those. Yeah, you got that muscle memory to the Xbox. Well, yeah. in any case, I think uh, Doom Eternal was like playing it again. Actually, makes me very excited for the DLC that's coming out in a couple like two weeks, I think. And um, I don't know. I, I I had a really good replay through it. I think my advice is if you want to play that game, you you got to play it right. <laughs> you got to learn the systems. Once you learn the systems, yeah. it, it really opens up for creative gameplay. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, and just I want to like reiterate all the bad things I've said about Doom Eternal on the podcast. I'm also super jazzed in the DLC, and I'm going to play it like day one. Like, just yeah. like even the I think it's just like a high bar we had for it. That's probably like why we criticize it so much, right? Right. The expectations so, were through the yeah. roof. Yeah, yeah, uh, totally. So let's talk about another game that's that's similar that doesn't have a dash, as as I just said. Halo Three. We played through like half. Of, I played through like half of Halo Three yesterday. You played through all of it, I think, Kevin and Orin. You said <laughs> yeah. you were playing it recently. Uh, yeah, I, I played a little bit of Halo Three because I was trying out the Game Pass, and mm. I think I played like two levels, and I was I just realized this isn't happening, and I mm. played something else. So, yeah, <laughs> I like Halo Three. It just feels like. It feels its age to me for some reason. Anyway, Kevin, what do you think? Uh, Halo 3 is like a one of the biggest events of, of the 2000s decade for yeah. me. Like that was like, you know, the game that I was... I mean, Halo 2 probably was even bigger because I was like infinite expectations, but Halo 3 was a big deal. Um, and I think unlike Halo 2, it, li- it lived up to my expectation at the time. Um, and kind of a Master Chief Collection has been coming back out on PC. I've been really excited to kind of dig back into it get the pc you know fancy stuff with it uh and i felt like reach just didn't age that well i didn't like it and i was kind of mm. like wondering if maybe just halo just didn't age well and like mm-hmm. modern games that shooters have just done it better but i i played it last night and i was like digging more into it and i was remembering like oh yeah this game has a lot of trouble there's a lot of character in that game like all, all the npcs and stuff are saying constantly interesting and funny things like whenever you die every npc in the game will have like a dialogue line about it and i, I just i love the detail of that I always appreciate those kind of details in games. Um, uh, I was actually playing Reach and Halo 3 as well. I, I dabbled a little bit in Reach, and I, I couldn't play Reach because it felt too much like it was 2010 when the game came out. Call of Duty was getting popular. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's let, let's borrow from Call of Duty and put that into Halo, and I think yeah. Reach doesn't have much of an identity because of that. Mm-hmm. But playing Halo 3, I, I at least appreciate how that game feels distinctly Halo in a way Reach doesn't. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it does the things that, like, for me, are the hallmark of a Halo game. Of the big, the big open, like it's 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 a wide linear game. It gives you these big set piece sort of battles that you get to kind of be really creative with and sandbox your way through. And you can use the that, the, the the warthog or the tank. Yeah. I was talking with Aaron about this like like a decade ago. Like, there's no other games that do this, and there's still no other games that do that. Like mm. Far Cry is the only thing that's kind of close, but it doesn't have that mass vehicle skill right. that 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 uh, Halo has. Nothing else really does it. Still, nothing. Yeah, that's why I'm excited for Infinite because it seems like they're bringing that sandbox quality back. Definitely. Uh, um, because yeah, a lot of these other, I, I I think developers are going so full open world at this point. Mm-hmm. But it's really nice playing those bungee type. Halo games and the levels are widely linear, but they still have that sandbox feel. Yeah, so, and they're still focused. You're right. 
like what your goal is is focused still it's not like yeah wondrously like aiming wondrously wondrously aiming you're wondrously aiming i aim wondrously (laughs) (laughs) uh i was having a lot of fun playing it last night i think actually it holds up it held up a lot better than i expected it to uh you do move slow as shit and even in the air you like you, you float like I don't understand what that's. Halo. I think it's the gravity on Halo is just really low, so you can't move quickly because yeah. you just can't build up momentum. Uh, but like, I was having a ton of fun playing it last night. I'm actually interested to replay some of the earlier levels because we only played half the, uh, like the him. last. I only play, I only got got to play for the last half last night. But uh, yeah, it was it was I was having a good time. Um, it actually was better than I remembered it being. Like I, I remember being yeah. when it came out somewhat let down that it didn't to my mind, fulfill the sort of scope and and sort of uh, grandeur of the original Halo. But I think maybe maybe it does. So I agree. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I want to play ODST now, which I never played back in the day. Play what? Uh, ODST, the Halo expansion pack where you play as the that Marines. That is available on Game Pass for I you know, to play. I know. So. Game Pass. Game Pass, man. <laughs> play it uh, on Game Pass. Yeah, I so I don't know what voice I'm doing, but whatever. Oran, you should be you should be playing Microsoft Flight Sim on your on your laptop. You should. What is that? What are you holding? Is that a is that a tiny hand? <laughs> it's it's a back scratcher. Our viewers are going to be completely confused, but Aaron keeps pointing this tiny green like hand at us, and I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. I see. Back scratcher. Gotcha. Well, I, I think that's all we got for Halo. So. Uh, Mafia Definitive Edition. Did you beat this? Um, I could not beat it. Are you a I pro could, racer? I, I I couldn't. I just I'll keep this brief. Mafia has an amazing initial initial presentation. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful, and you get swept up in the story. But the game ha- just gets progressively more and more ridiculous with the narrative as it mm. goes on to the point where where I realized, oh, I'm playing a, a literal remake of a 2002 narrative action story <laughs> game that has no sense of tone or anything. Right. Uh, it was just it was just getting too much. I, I, I can't remember the last time I was playing a game and the tone of the game just kind of put me off and where it was what it was doing in the second half of the game. Like there's literally a moment in that game where your mob boss is saying to you, Oh, you got to kill this other mob boss, uh, or else there's going to be a huge gang war. And it's like, okay, cool. And in the mission, the mob boss finds out that you're tailing him. So he drives to the airport and he gets in an airplane, and the airplane's taken off, and you have to shoot the engines out of the airplane with Mm -hmm. your Tommy gun. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's just like, what is this? What is this game? Yeah. It doesn't know what it wants to be. It wants to Call be... Call of Duty? Sounds like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's, like, it's like Goodfellas directed by Michael Bay. Yeah. That's what this game is. <laughs> and yeah. I just couldn't take it anymore. Um, I even made a video on it on my YouTube channel where I just compared it. Similar scenes. Fr- scenes from The Godfather and scenes from Mafia to kind of show how each game handles it. And... Mafia is just way off the mark. So right. Um, I loved it when I we talked about it last time, but after I hit about the six seven hour mark, I was starting to realize it wasn't it wasn't all that anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Beautiful yeah. graphics though. Like I watched the sure. uh, the digital foundry thing for that, and I was just like, God, that game looks. I kind of wanted to play it just because it looked so fucking good. 
I was like, that is a pretty game. But uh, I think I don't. I don't really like. There, there's a certain era of games that are 2002. I'll say that maybe hard to go back to sometimes. Uh, you know. Yeah, that that's when the whole Ludo narrative dissonance argument like really comes through when you play games kind of pre two thousand eight. Well, was that the problem, so. or was it just like like tone deaf narrative design and just bad? mechanical design um maybe it's just tonal dissonance that's yeah. what all the word i'll use it just it, it sells itself as being this godfather game um goodfellas game but it just the set pieces are just too ridiculous and it loses its sense of groundedness so mm. yeah that's my opinion i may be being too hard on it but i didn't enjoy the game enough to finish it which is I think mm. that's my verdict right there. So, yeah, all right. Yeah. Uh, well, that's that's a bummer, but I guess it's it's a cool it's cool that they brought it back. Like it, it is really neat to see stuff like that come back and give you a chance to sort of like revisit the past. I also appreciate that it's forty dollars. So, oh, I yeah, mean, yeah. if you want to if you want to try it out, it's a AAA experience for forty dollars. So even even though I didn't like it. It's not a bad deal if you're bored or if you want a gangster experience. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, any, any other games we want to talk about this week, guys? Aaron, how's Spelunky 2? So let me tell you about fucking Spelunky 2. That game is hard. Like, I don't put... Maybe I don't put the, the right amount of time and effort into it, but, like, I go and play that game on, like, my lunch break uh, for a couple of rounds, and... I just it's 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 fucking annoying because like I really like the game and it's really fun and it feels great to play like moving around the world you start to feel like Tarzan when you start like flying through a level but you will get to this point where you're like okay I'm on two three and I'm, I've got 12 hearts which is ridiculous right you got some crazy power up and that means you're really super juiced and just powerful and you're like yes you get to two four and some dipshit fucking knocks you into a lava pit and you die that's it and you're just like fucking roguelike there we go, back to 1-1. One, one. Or you take the shortcut, which uh, you have to push a bunch of stones and check the little corners. I don't know. I'm a little annoyed with Spelunky 2. I think it's a great game, but uh, it's it's kicking my ass. It's a great game. Uh, I got to world. I actually unlocked the third shortcut because I'm mm. an insane person. But I think I might be done with it. I, I'm just... <sighs> I was swearing too much at my television screen and now I'm playing <laughs> Hades and mm-hmm. Hades is giving me that roguelike experience. But I don't know. Spelunky 2 is kind of... Spelunky 2 is a perfect game, mm-hmm. but Hades is, has just extrapolated on that formula so much that it's, it's hard for me to go back to Spelunky 2 now that I'm onto Hades. But I still like Spelunky 2, but God, yeah, it's it's hard. Like, it's really to, hard. <laughs> it's really hard. To sing its virtues, like... Unlike um, Dead Cells, and I think unlike Hades, it, it's not a rogue light where there isn't like uh, persistent upgrades. Like you don't get new weapons and stuff. You don't get unlocks in in Spelunky. You just unlock characters or shortcuts. So the the progress that you make in that game is entirely in your your gray matter. You know, it's like like you're getting better at the game or you're not. Like it's you're not getting new weapons that help you. Um, and there's something that I find incredibly rewarding about that type of game that doesn't give you the, the little dopamine rush unlocks. Um, 
but it can also be incredibly frustrating because you can hit these these plateaus where you're like, God damn it, I can't get past two four. <laughs> mm, is it like those uh, NES kind of games, like Battletoads or something, where you just have to just beat your head against the game? Uh, I don't think learn every little part, every little opponent you come across. You do need to be a master of the systems of the game and understand how the different traps work and how to watch out for them and how to trigger them so that they don't hurt you. Um, I feel like Battletoads is kind of a game of luck. I don't think Spelunky is a game of luck. I think when you, I mean, here's the thing. When you first play Spelunky, the first few days you're playing it, you're going to die to a couple of things over and over and over again. That By the second week you play that game, you will never die to those things again. Battletoads is, is like that too. Once you know mm. what you're up against, you won't die, but you will die to it the first time. Whenever you come across something new, it'll kill you every time. All right. Yeah. So but you have to yeah, master every little piece of every little thing that you're doing. Hmm. Uh, one other really cool thing, though, about Spelunky 2, just outside of its difficulty, are the insane secrets. I don't know, Aaron, if you looked up some of the secrets, but I, I found can't believe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, tell me about it. Well, I got a four leaf clover. And I got to the end of the level and I noticed that under the door, there was a rainbow. And I'm like, four leaf clover, a rainbow. What if I blow this up? Pot of gold. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good secret. There, there, there's, there are other secrets in the game, though, that I was watching a playthrough. Because there, there are moments in later levels where you unlock these items and you don't know what to do with them. Mm. And I was watching somebody's playthrough and I was, I was thinking to myself, wait, that's what you do with that item? <laughs> and that leads to this level and that mm. leads to this boss. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty, I, I recommend unless you don't want to be spoiled looking up some of these secrets cause they're mind blowing. Oh yeah. I don't want to be spoiled. I mean, maybe later. I don't know. I, I do see myself playing this game regularly for the future, but it's going to be one of those things where I just go play, you know, two to 10 runs on my lunch break. And that's probably it every other day instead of spending hours and hours and hours playing it. Cause it's, it can be a little frustrating. Yeah. It's the perfect game for that. Just, just uh, two runs. That's it. While on the other hand with Hades or dead cells, it's you're up until four in the morning and you're like <laughs> one more run. Mm. It, it's so funny in Hades. The main character even says that one time he goes, he says one more run as you're about to go out. So mm. <laughs> but no, Spelunky awesome. 2 is Spelunky 2 is the opposite. It's it's pretty much like you play it play two or three runs and you're like, "Okay, I'm good for about 4 days." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh it, it's fun. Um all right. I, I think that's all we got time for today. But uh Madden, we love you, man. Thanks for the music. Uh Thanks, and all all you listeners out there in listener land, thank you for for sticking along with us and we'll be back next week with uh, a fresh game club pod about half-life Woo.